Hello, and welcome back to Mama's Nightmare. We're glad you joined us. Come join us now as we're going to talk about anything from moms that murder to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a mama's nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about the murder of Garnet Spears. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and a grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mom of three, who just started listening to true crime podcasts, but love watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast, since we love to discuss these nightmares. Of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. For today's nightmare, we're going to be discussing the terrible mar- terrible murder of a five-year-old, Garnet Spears. Trigger warnings for this episode include torture, child abuse, child death, and Munchausen syndrome, syndrome by proxy. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's grab yourself some hot chocolate and let's talk about a nightmare. All right, Mom, so how has your week been? I know it's been pretty bad. My week has been horrible. So, uh, yeah, I thought I was going to be. It just seems to to be getting worse and worse between us. I'm telling you, I thought I started this. Everything's falling apart. Yeah, I thought I was going to have, you know, time to get this together this week. And then I came down to Chattanooga to see you guys this weekend. And uh, of course, you know, my car died. And so then I had to stop. Uh, we had to kind of stop everything and uh, I had to go buy a new car. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that I've got that, but, um, and the payment and stuff that goes along with it. And then of course we've had trouble with computers. So I've bought computers and stuff like that. So, so I'm just kind of hemorrhaging money right now. So I'm ready to stop. Yeah. So we apologize if we do have a lag or anything, we are using a new app for um for us to communicate through and for our recording and sometimes it doesn't set up just right between us both so just bear with us for a little bit until we can figure something else out yeah try and give us a little grace here on our learning curve because we're having a hard time with some of this if any of y'all have any suggestions (laughs) Yeah, throw them our way. Give us a feel free. Email. Feel free to give us a email at mama's nightmare pod at gmail.com. We are open to any kind of suggestions. Oh. That's for sure. Yes, and we are. This, and, and this one too. And because of the kind of a week that I've had, um, I haven't, it's not as put together as I would like. And so I'm going to go ahead and apologize now. And also, I think my cat has calmed down. But I can't be guaranteed that he won't start back up in a little while. He's been kind of going crazy. So So if you hear, he's got multiple paper bags out right now. So if you hear a lot of crinkling going on in the background, my apologies. But it's either that or he's going to be attacking (laughs) me. So I'm going to go with the paper bags right now. Hmm. Okay, well, let's go ahead and jump into this because this is a long um, twisty and turny kind of events that go on with this one. All right, let's jump into it, Mom. Okay. Well, this is a story about Garnet Paul Thompson Spears. He was also known as G. A lot of people called him G. His, uh, his mom kind of nicknamed him that and all that. Well, he was born on December the 3rd at 2, uh, at not, not at two, uh, 2008, in 2008. So he was born December the 3rd, 2008, and he weighed 6 pounds and 14 ounces. He was born in a Huntsville, Alabama hospital to his mother, Lacey Spears. The birth announcement that came out in the Decatur Daily listed no father. However, Garnet's actual, yeah, Garnet's actual father was a neighbor of Lacey's. Lacey lived with her sister in, um, 
we'll get into that in just a second. But she lived with him, with her sister in some apartments, and his his father lived downstairs from her, and that's how they met. And he was a um, he was actually he's a garage door uh, installer. And he lived in these apartments where she was. She had to pass his apartment to get to hers. So she saw him frequently. Okay. okay. But let's go back and we're going to give you a little bit of a background on Lacey. Okay. She's the daughter of Terry and Tina Spears. They had three children. They had Rebecca as the oldest. They had Daniel, their middle son. He was about 18, younger, 18 months younger than Rebecca. And then they had um, Lacey, who was, um, they seemed to be all about three years apart. So she was probably around 18 to 20 months younger than him. So she grew up in a loving household. And by all, uh, from what Rebecca has said in other interviews and things, they had a normal, happy childhood. Everything, you know, it was just, they were just kids. And all of that. So, But around middle school, it seems like Lacey started to want some more attention. And things started changing for her. And I don't know that it it could have been all along. But around middle school. It was more noticed. Other people were noticing things. She started to be like, basically, she was like a habitual liar. She would bring on all these things. But at this point in time... A lot of these people didn't know that she was lying about these things. Like her best friend, she would go over there to her house all the time. And at around middle school, when they're getting ready to go into like that sixth and seventh grade area, she starts telling her that uh, during, I guess it was during the summer of that time period that she told her sister, her best friend's mother, that she was being molested at home by a family member. Well, of course, mm. the mother is all upset and she calls uh, Department of Human Resources and turns them in. There is, however, she called, she says that she called and that and that Lacey stayed with them for several weeks after that incident and everything. But there is no record found on this. So that leads us to believe that they, they looked into it and they found nothing. So they didn't... Okay. They didn't really file a report on it or anything. And nothing Rebecca, was pursued. Yeah, there was nothing to look to go into any further for it to go any further. And Rebecca says that there was never any kind of molestation going on in the home. Well, then right around the time she was getting ready to go into high school, she joined a local church. This uh, Parkview Baptist Church had a softball team, and the coach was a woman in her probably early to mid forties, her name was Paula Sandlin and she started to become very close to Paula Sandlin. Then it seems like when she finds an adult that she likes, or that gives her a little bit of attention, she grabs a hold of them and then wants to, she wants to start telling them things to make them feel sorry for them, for her and give her some empathy and to, and, to focus on her. So she began to tell her that she had been molested, that she had been and was being molested. And Paula didn't know what to do. So she just, you know, tried to care for her when she was with her and tell her, you know, just be, you know, and, and it never says that she ever turned her in, uh, that she ever turned her into things. So it makes me believe that she kind of didn't think it was really happening. Yeah. You know, you kind of pacify some of those. And I've been in that situation before, too, where if someone had told me that things were happening to them. And I'm like, well, you need to tell your mom or you need to tell your dad or you need to tell this person or that person. I, there's nothing I can do for you. And I didn't really think it was true. And I didn't want to call and turn anybody in or do anything. You know, yeah. it seems like it was kind of like that with her. But another thing that she did is she was um, so she comes in one day and she's on crutches and she's got her and her ankles all bound up. And she told Paula that she fell during cheerleading practice and hurt her ankle. And apparently there wasn't enough sympathy for that. So just, it wasn't, but just a small amount of time later till it wasn't that, it's that she actually, she fell 
she passed out in the middle of the street because she hadn't eaten anything in three days because of her anorexia. Number one, people don't tell you they have anorexia. <laughs> you know? No, they hide it. They hide it with baggy clothes, all that kind of stuff, and then you just see it. Right. And and somebody that was... And, and there was a group of girls there, and one of them was like, I saw you eating a hot dog yesterday. And she was like, oh, oh, well, that was all I've had in three days. Okay. Number two, a person with anorexia never eats a hot dog. There's too many no, calories there's in it. calories for that. Right. There's, there's too many calories in it. They don't eat anything above lettuce or something like that, you know, or they'll drink a diet hot Coke balls. that has... Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything like that. But they don't, you know, generally speaking. Isn't that what the supermodels do? do? Right. What show was that in? What movie was that in? Oh, eating the, uh, isn't the, oh that's that one with Freddie Prince. Head over heels. Yes, Freddie Prince is in that one. And he's Freddie the junior. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. That's what yeah, they were doing. She's over there eating a napkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. So, I mean, there are things like that that stand out in these conversations that you're reading about and hearing about in this that just sound hinky there. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So then she even goes in as she's going back into getting ready to go back into school. She tells these, all these girls, she's trying to get their attention. And she says, Oh yeah, I'm pre I was pregnant. And I went to, um, it was some clinic or, small hospital in where she near where she lived and she said you know and i went there and got an abortion and one of the girls said they don't even do abortions there she was like oh oh well i mean i went to florida and had the abortion i mean it was just you know i'm gonna change it then you're not gonna cut you're not gonna catch me i'm not gonna say it's a lie i'm i'm gonna correct my oh we've met some of those before exactly <laughs> and they're really hard to deal with really hard people to deal with and, and things like that. So, you know, it, it was just one of those things that she was just, she was considered strange by a lot of people. And that's what Chris Hill thought of her as well. Chris Hill is the guy that lived downstairs from her. He's the one that ends up being Garnet's father or Garnet's father. Yeah. And Ooh, that's the baby daddy. Yes. And excuse me if I ever call him Garnett. The book, uh, My Sweet Angel, I read this one. Uh, I, I listened to it multiple times on Audible. Um, the guy who does the voice, <laughs> who reads it, is English or something and calls him Garnett the entire time. But his name is actually Garnet. And I do know that for certain because we did. I did watch an interview um with on 48 hours, I think, or it was either 48 hours or Dateline. I've got it in the notes somewhere, I think. But um, where they interviewed Lacey Spears, and his name is Garnet. But yeah, so I, but I've heard it said pronounced Garnet so much that I feel like I'm going to slip up. But anyway, back to Chris. He always kind of thought that she was kind of odd, and he would, he would you know how guys are they get out in the parking lot of the thing and they're drinking a few beers or having some cocktails or something and they're talking uh crap and they would laugh at Lacey as she would walk by and they would call her he called her the predator because she just walked real fast and kept her head down didn't talk to anybody she didn't if you didn't speak to her she didn't speak to you and he would he said you'd have to go like hey Hey, hey, to try and get her attention because she was just focused. She was going and she didn't want to do with anybody. I know, isn't that hilarious? It sounds like me. It sounds like me. Put my head down at a gas station. I am like, please don't look at me. Just right. help me get my gas. Yeah. Don't talk well, to this me. was her home. I mean, she's living in these apartments and and nobody there. She wasn't friends with anybody, and nobody ever seen never saw people going up and down to her house either. So. But one day she comes downstairs and knocks on the door and asks him if he'll come upstairs and help her put a crib together. She was really big into taking other people's kids at the time. She's only, she was only around 19 or 20. She just graduated out of high school and moved into this apartment with her sister. And um, so what she babysat. 
she was working in a daycare and she would take some of these kids, she would find one that she would, that she would just love on. And this would be the one that she wanted to consider it hers. You know how, you know how you just, you favorite a child that you're working with or whatever. And she just, and she just loved it. And she has done this a couple of times. One was a little boy named Cameron. Um, and that was kind of right in high school and out, and right out of high school. But this particular time and for this particular crib, it was a little boy named that she, his name was Jonathan, but she called him John, John. And um, she was, she would keep him. The mother took him to the daycare and she would, she would be there at like five thirty in the morning to open the daycare, take him in. And then the mother would pick him up at her house at like six thirty or seven o'clock. Cause she was working late and doing all this. And after, so after the daycare closed and she got off work, she'd take John, John to her house and watch him. So she had John, John just all the time. So, okay. That's kind of, I can understand that. I can understand that. And I've watched kids and I, you know, at that age, I loved kids too. And I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to watch them and do all that, but she took it too far. She would, she would put him, his picture. She had pictures. She put pictures of him every day on her MySpace and Facebook and all of that. And she would put it down. Oh, that's weird. About him being hers. She would say that. And if she was out, yeah. See that look on your face. And no. Yes. And if she was out, she would tell friends that would run into her and they'd say, Oh, who is this? And this is my son, John John. She wasn't telling the mom that. How how are you supposed to explain that when you just don't have them? Right. And, and so it was, yeah. And when, so when he goes upstairs into the house, he helps her to put this crib together and he notices there's baby stuff everywhere. Well, he got to talking to her and the next thing that next thing that goes on, you know, they ended up sleeping together and he said they had a relationship was more like neighbors with benefits. They weren't really dating. She would come down and, to his apartment sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And he would go up to her apartment sometimes, but whenever he went up to her apartment, he always felt a little unsettled because Rebecca was always there and John, John was always there. So he tried to just kind of avoid going upstairs and he just let her come down. And so their relationship. Had to get some down tick a wow. Wow. <laughs> right. Anytime that was uh, needed or desired. She could come down. So they had kind of a good thing going. But it only lasted a few months. And then she uh, they broke it off. And it wasn't long after they broke it off before she told him that she was pregnant. And he now goes back and now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He said, you know, he never, she never said anything about using protection. And so he thought she had it covered. And... She was really using him to get pregnant. She wanted to have a baby. That was her heart's desire and always had been. But when he found out that she was pregnant, the two of them decided that he said, you know, well, I'd like for us to get married because he did not want to. He already has one son with an ex-girlfriend and he didn't want to have another baby outside of marriage. He would like to, for them to have tried to get married and to have a child and to have this child together. So everything there, the the right way in quotation marks, right? The quote unquote right way. And so at that point, they started to kind of date. They would go out with some other couples and, and, and go to dinner or something like that, or they'd go to a movie. But then they started all of a sudden, they started talking about uh, the names of the baby. She came up and she said she wanted to name the baby Garnet. And he said, uh, I don't really like that. Let's come up with something else. It didn't take but a couple of days till she was down there saying, okay, this is over. It's done with. You're not really the dad. Don't bother me again. Go away. And he just took it as that? 
he says that he didn't have any any recourse in it. I have to say that okay, you can feel a little bit sorry for him. And he says, you know, he didn't. He was just a garage door installer. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have the money to take her to court and to blah 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 blah. I think it was kind of he would like to have seen him and he would like to have been a part of him. But hey, now he doesn't have to pay child support because it's not his kid, right? And yeah. he's yeah. not he's not trying to legitimize this child or anything else. So I don't. Yeah. As it goes further into this, he starts to complain. Uh, he never really searches her out or anything. He's, he tries to keep up with him on Facebook and, and see pictures whenever she posts things or anything like that. But no, he never really went and tried to get him. But then at the end, he wants to say that he, you know, I cried. It was terrible. It, you know, I, I, I have very little sympathy for Chris. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe he's a good guy and all that, and maybe it all was money, but you know, and I know that as a mother, and and if I was a male, or as a father, as a parent of a child that really and truly wants to be a parent of a child, you're going to stop at nothing. Yeah. So, you know. You'll find a way. Right. You're going to make payments to that attorney. You're going to do whatever you've got to do if you're going to, you want him to have your name. You want him to, you want to know him or anything. He never really saw him because she broke it off with him. And uh, if he came upstairs or anything, she would threaten to call the police and uh, send him on his way. And he said that he would just, uh, while she lived there at the apartments, whenever he would hear her car door shut or something, he would try and peek out the window and see the baby as he was walking by. So, I mean, he didn't really, I don't think he put up much of a fight about it, in my opinion. So as we skip ahead now, when Lucy gives birth, uh, Lucy, <laughs> Lacey gives birth to Garnet on December the 3rd of 2008. Now they were discharged two days later. So that would have been the fifth. And they continued, they moved, they moved on in back into uh, Cedar Key's apartment with her sister. And during the first days of his life, she writes on her uh, on her MySpace and her Facebook at that time that Garnet, in the first year of his life, was hospitalized for 23 times. And one time it was for five weeks long. Well, as it's 23 times, 23 times. Yes. For what? <laughs> it's That's a lot. Two days after he was discharged. Now, they discharged him right off the bat. He was a healthy baby. They sent him home. Two days later. Two days after that, she's back at the hospital with him in Decatur General Hospital saying that he's got a high fever. He's jaundiced. And he's pulling at his ears. Okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going <laughs> to tell you something. I have had, I've had two babies, but I have been around a whole lot of them. And ain't no two-day-old baby going to be pulling at its ears for nothing. It's going to scream and cry. And it's not going to have an ear infection at two days old if they haven't found anything in the hospital for it. So when oh, they, no. yeah. So she took him in. The doctor looks at him and says, no, he is completely healthy. He's fine. And they discharged him and sent him on home. Now, this tells me that they're probably laughing afterwards saying oh my gosh a new mother nobody thinks anything of it that yeah. she's done this nobody would i wouldn't even dream of thinking about it i've had many mothers that have you know called me and said oh this is going on it's like it's fine baby will be fine you'll, you'll be, be okay. okay calm down it's all right they're not gonna they're not gonna die when they cry they'll be all right so you know so that would have been the fifth they got dent. So that would have been like the seventh. Well, on the 26th, that same time, she took him back again to the ER. And they had uh, they were giving him IVs and doing that stuff with him. And say, she was stating that he was sick again. And she begins posting photos of him on Facebook with an IV in his arm. And, oh, my poor baby and blah, blah, blah. So it's starting at this point. It feels like 
in early January, she took him back to Decatur General. But in early January, she started taking him back there and to the southern rural, that's the hardest word to say, rural health care clinic. And they say it was almost on a daily basis. And she kept complaining that he wasn't eating properly, he was vomiting, and that he was bleeding in both ears. I've never <laughs> heard of a baby that bleeds in both ears like that. I mean, well, especially if you're taking them into the doctors and they're saying that there is nothing wrong with him, but you keep bringing him back saying, and then you're starting to say he's bleeding from his ears. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense at all. And like I said, that she starts taking him almost on a daily basis. They've got it. I mean, we've got it down in the records and everything on the 13th. She took him in and the doctor noted in that chart that she, on the, on January the 13th. Now this baby is just around six to seven weeks old. He notes in the chart that the mom might be suffering from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. No, he does. He does. He notes it in the chart, but nobody had, never goes any further from this. It'll. I mean, it's going to yeah, come I would up have thought a, more along. Go ahead. Um, for me, more along the lines of depression, like the baby postpartum blues depression. Kind of thing. You're just yes. Yeah. Well, that'd I think be my it, thought on the process. Well, it's. I think it's because of the fact that she's coming in stating that he's sick, but he's not, there's nothing wrong with him. And so that's not really depression. That would be more of that, but he's, but True. I think he, I think he notes it in there just so he can keep it in his mind. When you, you know, you go in and they take that and they take their notes and they flip through them and they look through them. So that was on the 13th. On the 14th, she tells the doctor that she wanted to harm G. So they referred her to medical social services for interpersonal conflict and dysfunction. And they began. Um, so on the 15th, Diane Moore, who was an investigator for the Alabama Department of Health and Services for parents and children together, they call it a PACT, P-A-C-T. Uh, it's a parental assistance agency. They uh, At that point, they start thinking maybe it's the baby blues because she's saying, oh, I might want to hurt him. I don't know what to do. He, You know, like he cries all the time. I can't handle this. So they're trying to help her out and give her uh, some tips and, and they want to work with her. So over the next few months, she goes by the apartment and she, uh, she inspects it and um, she, she's going to do all of that. Um, mm -hmm. to do the inspections and things like that. But Lacey's never in and never... Sorry, she's jumping on my computer, making numbers and stuff go everywhere. <laughs> so, um, he was... <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> oh, yes, I can tell. He's just, he's a joy. Um, so he tells her that, uh, she she goes by and she's calling. She's trying to do the inspections and everything like that and to help her. And she never returns uh, the inspector's calls. And so they they consider it an investigation into possible child abuse. It just they just halt it because they can't get in touch with her. Okay, I'm sorry, but if you can't get in touch with her, you keep on. You try right. harder. If it's a possible child abuse of this infant. So anyway, that just, they kept trying until they just, they just gave up and stopped. So then it comes, we're still in January. It's like the third week of January. Now she takes him to a Huntsville hospital complaining that he's projectile vomiting and that he's not gaining weight. And they diagnosed Garnet with acid reflux and he has this small surgical procedure, which I'm not sure what it was at this point. I just know that it was a quote unquote surgical procedure. Um, the doctors were concerned about him at that time. So they placed him in a room for 24 hours and wouldn't let her go in so that they could keep an eye on him and they wanted to keep her out. That's another sign of that. Someone is looking at and possibly thinking of Munchausen by proxy. 
Well, the Munchausen by proxy, because they want to keep that child away to see if the child gets better without, in the absence of the parent. Yeah. They're just doing this. Because they don't want to see if they spike them, give them some extra drugs to make them right. worse. Or what, they're, or, or what they're doing to make them worse. They could be giving them something. They could be, you know, I mean, I don't know. You're pinching him and he's crying and that's why you're doing it. Or what are you putting in it? Are you putting uh, that, what is it, Ipecac that you put in the bottle that, that you give a baby to make them throw up? If you're putting that in the bottle with it or with him or whatever. Yeah. They don't want her to feed him. They don't want her to do anything with him. They don't want her near him. So for 24 hours, because of this surgical procedure, she can't see him. Um, so after he'd had this little procedure too, once she gets back in there, she immediately starts taking pictures of him and posting them on Facebook because he's got, he's again, he's got an IV and everything. Oh, poor Garnet. Look at my poor baby. So, I mean, and then it moves into February. Um, she is seen at one point. I mean, this is February. This baby was born in on December the 3rd. So January, February, he's two months old. Cause this is January. This is February the 1st. Somebody, a friend of hers saw her screaming at him in a Walmart parking lot. Um, the friend that witnessed the event turned her in to the Alabama department of human services. Again, nothing. So they're doing their job very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, how good are they? How kind are they? And so then he's nine weeks old now. She's taking him back. Now she takes him. If this hospital doesn't give her anything, she'll take him to a different one the next time. She's, she takes him. I think there was like somewhere around circulating over. She's in that first year of his life. He'd been to over 20 hospitals and clinics and doctors and stuff. Some of them they had said, okay, this doctor had said, we're going to send you over here. But many of them, she was just taking him all around, but to get whatever she wanted to hear. So, when he's nine weeks old, they, she finally got somebody to diagnose him with failure to thrive and reflux disease at the Huntsville Hospital. They performed a procedure called a, Nis, a Nissen fundoplication. That's a procedure that's going to leave Garnet unable to vomit for the rest of his life. They take a, it's a, it's something to do with the esophagus, and I am not good with all the medical stuff. I, I did read on it, but they put it down into the stomach, and they put a flap over it of some kind so that the acid reflux doesn't come back up, and so he's not going... You know how when you have acid reflux as an adult, you kind of have what they, what Tim the Toolman Taylor called a verp? <laughs> you know, you kind of vomit, and you have a burp there. Mm -hmm. Well, they do the same thing with the baby. This stops that from ever being able to happen. He can't do it. He can't throw up. So if he Isn't has... Isn't that dangerous, though? You know, that's what I would think, too. And I don't know if, if in general, if they would go back and read... and un I would think they would go back and yeah. undo that at a certain time because I wouldn't think it would be good. But if he can't throw up, you're going to have he would have explosive diarrhea or something like that. It's not like it's not going to. Nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. So, but remember he's had this surgery now at nine weeks old. Okay. So then she takes him to the Southern rural, rural healthcare clinic, uh, complaining that he wouldn't take his formula that um, the doctor, the doctors tried and they watched uh, him and the formula Lacey had brought with her and the doctor couldn't get him to eat that either, but they gave him other formula. And uh, well, that at this point they gave him a nasal feeding tube. They'd inserted a nasal feeding tube into mm -hmm. him. And again, that's great. She's right Take there. Cameron's taking the pictures and posting those little puppies on Facebook. So, the fourth is when he had the first surgery that he had already been back to the hospital once. Now on the 11th, she takes him. He was at Southern rural just a few days ago. Now she takes him back to dollar uh, to the, I want to say dollar general Decatur general 
complaining that he's not, that he's refusing the, I'm having a time. What can I say? Uh, that he's refusing. I'm going to take him right over here to the Dollar General. I'm going to take the Dollar General. By God, is that going to do something? I know. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) So she takes him and says that he's, that he's refusing the formula. So the nurse takes him to the nurse's station and she gets him to take it fine. And she keeps him there for two hours, which is the amount of time that it takes for the food to digest and everything. No problems. That baby don't throw up nothing. Um, Maybe no. don't like you. Yeah. Well, no, at this time when she gives him this one, this particular one, uh, she, they gave him the formula that she brought. And the nurse notices that as soon as she gives it to him, he starts getting very lethargic. And she's wondering what's going on. So they did take some blood from him. And when they find there, he has sodium level is 180. Now, for a, a an infant and a child, it should be around 140. So this is 40 points higher. And he starts to have, uh, and because of the sodium level, he begins, um, he starts to have a seizure. And he even start, he even stops breathing at this point. They had to intubate him and air flight him to Children's Hospital in Birmingham for emergency treatment this time. This is the time that she says he's in the hospital for the five week period. Um, he is diagnosed with hypnoatremia, which is a high concentration of sodium. Um, they put him in a in the the pediatric intensive care unit, and they even give him a spinal tap and IV fluids through there. So, did they ever test the formula to see if that's what it if their formula is being tampered with? Not at that point. They did not. No, not that I have heard. Not that I can find. The bull hockeys. I know it's, it's like somebody puts in there that she may have Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And when they life flighted him to this children's hospital in Birmingham, when the doctor there hears what they're bringing him in for and everything. And they're like, it's 108. His, his, uh, his sodium levels, 180. He says, no, it can't be 180. Then we're going to have to retest it when he gets here. It is. It's 180. And he says it's physically, he said it was physically at that point point he said it was there was no way for it to be that way but they put him on the iv they have to you have to go really slow to get that down because you don't want the swelling to come in to place uh, because yeah. that would leave the brain to swell and that's brain damage and and leads to different things like that so he looked really bad after that point, I'm sure, because he's swelling and he's got all this stuff. So that was on the 11th. On the 12th, she starts posting on Facebook and posting pictures of this baby with these tubes coming out of him everywhere and this uh, and oh. and all this. Now, really hating on her. Really hating on her right now. I really am too because, I mean, I know that, you know, you want to have, a maybe you want a picture of it, but I just don't see, you know, if you're going to go on Facebook, I want to say, pray for my baby. I'm not going to put pictures of him looking like that and everything for everybody to see. Cause I mean, you know, her, her pages are public and she wants everybody to see everything and, and everybody's writing to her saying, Oh, you're such a good mother. I'm so sorry. You're going through this Lacey. I can't, you know, and they're giving her all that sympathy that she's been looking for. Oh, wow. So then he starts to get better. They've given him all the IVs and everything. So the next day they do put him onto the regular floor and he's there for 11 days. They said that uh, Lacey said she couldn't bottle feed him, but the nurses never had any trouble getting him to eat. Um, They ran multiple tests. Well, yeah, they're probably not pinching him. Right. Well, they ran multiple tests on him, including an MRI, an EEG, a CT, a chest x-ray, and a swallow study. And everything... Now, remember, he's been in this hospital for 12, 13 days now. Everything was completely normal on him. 
And so they never figured out what the elevated sodium type levels were for. Well, I know what it is. It's a formula. It's his mama. Yeah. It's the mama putting the stuff in the formula. Oh. So um, he stays in the hospital. He's still in there a while longer. I mean, they've done all these tests and everything. She, of course, she's got to post pictures and things on so on valentine's day she takes a picture and posted of her sister holding him in front of some hearts in the hospital room and things like that but uh on the 23rd he's still in the hospital and the doctors quarant again they quarantined lacy from him um during the day uh, during the feedings for four days they she wasn't allowed to feed him and everything went fine his feedings were normal. There were no problems. So on the 24th, then after this, now they discharge him from the hospital. They send him right back home with her. Okay. Okay. So you, you make it where she's not allowed to be around him. He gets better. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, he's good. Oh yeah. Let's go sit back with you. <laughs> he's better. So here, take him home. Not like she didn't do it in the first place. So, yeah. Well, they dismissed him on the 24th, but it didn't stop Lacey. She kept on and on and on with the pictures. Now, she tells everybody he was in the hospital for five weeks after this. Okay, my math, the 11th is uh, when she took him in, and the 24th is when they dismissed him. That's 13 days, not five weeks. But Lacey doesn't have well, I can see problem. where she can get that mixed up. Lacey does not have a problem embellishing the truth at all. So now we're moving ahead into uh, the spring of 2009. G starts having, Garnet starts having a lot of uh, ear infections. You're hearing the paper bags now. Mm. Yes. My lovely son brought I... him a new tunnel and um, oh, nice. It's made of crinkle fabric, and he's... Uh, he's Way to go, bro. Way yeah, to go. Quite <laughs> infatuated with it right now. <sighs> he got caught in it a little while ago, and he was carrying it all through the house and running. <laughs> so, uh, so in the spring now of 2009, he starts beginning to have these chronic ear infections. And, um, and they just, they can't get them to clear up. They're giving in the antibiotics and doing all this, and she can't understand is what's she, going on. But is she actually giving him the meds? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she's giving him the meds or not. But then at the end of March, she takes him to an ENT. And this is a Dr. Copeland. He has, when he sees him, he has bloody drainage coming out of both ears. And he has Ooh. perforations in both of his eardrums. So he poor baby. Can you imagine the pain? That, I mean, I as an adult have had ear infections and I am miserable. I cannot imagine what this baby mm -hmm. and he's just I mean, this is the this is March. He's just three and a half, four months old. And this is how bad this ear mm -hmm. infection is. So he ends up I mean, this was in March, so March, the end of March, March 31st. On April the 6th, Dr. Copeland operates on both of his ears. He's got these bilateral perforations on the eardrums. And, of course, she's got to have, uh, you know, Lacey's right there with her camera Cheers. documenting those pictures. And she's showing pictures of these tubes that are protruding out of his ears. And because they had to have these tubes to drain all that pus and everything that was building up in there out. Yeah. I remember my son had that. Um, his was not that bad, but he did still have an ear infection when he got his tubes put in. Mm -hmm. He didn't have tubes sticking out of his ears, but you could see the drainage coming out. Right. Well, I've never heard of one having them at the age of four months old, and I'm assuming that's why they would stick out because they probably don't have any. They're small enough, but I don't think that these were tubes like what, uh, like what Jay had because it's they were his were all the way in there, and they were to keep it 
from forming an ear infection and to do that. These were specifically, I believe, put in there for this surgery. They don't remain in. They will remove them from oh, the ears. Okay. Okay. They're just there for drainage purposes. <laughs> oh, I really do apologize. So five weeks later now, Dr. Copeland sends him to Dr. Morgan for a second opinion because geez, his chronic ear infections are not going away. He's had these surgery in these on both ears and he wants to have a, a second opinion. So Dr. Copeland writes this, you know, they, they write notes to him because they've, they've, she's, he sent her, sent uh, Garnet over to this other doctor. And so he sends over his notes and what, and what she wants her to look for. And he notes in there that the mother may have Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Now notice, this is the second doctor Another. that has said that. Do they just not get together and like keep like one just big file? Apparently they don't. I, I mean, swear. they need to. They need yeah. to. They, they really do at a point when this child has been through all of this in this amount of time in a, such a short period they need of time, to have like a flag there are things that have got that need to be flagged exactly so dr morgan examined him and found he had again bilateral ear infections and a perforation in his right ear and fresh blood in his ear canal and it it was a big sign because it should have already been healed because he just had the surgery five weeks ago. So <laughs> it's almost like she did it on purpose. It, it's like she's doing something to them. I don't know if she was, I, I have to imagine what she's doing is she's sticking something in his ear. That's doing that, you know, Oh, that would be so horrible. I can't think that it's, it's not like, I couldn't imagine doing that. No, I couldn't, I couldn't either, but I, and if I ever get arrested, I'm going to go away for a very long time after doing this for a podcast, because I'm looking up, how do you cause an ear infection? What do you do? Can you, can you cause an ear infection? And it's all, no, you can't. It's an, it's a, you know, it's a germ and it's done that. But so she's not really, I don't think she's causing an ear infection, but she's messing with those. It she's messing with the ear and then not, and then all those germs are getting in it and that causes the infection and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is all June the 3rd. Now he just turned six months old. This has all happened to this. All that we've said has happened before this baby's even six months old. Oh my goodness. So he's had multiple surgeries in here. He's had, you know, he can't throw up now. He can't, uh, he's had ear, he's had these surgeries on his ears. He's had another uh, surgical procedure for acid reflux before that. So now it's not many days. It's just a few days later after this, after he's turned six months old, that she takes him back to Decatur General and she's complaining that he's got dehydration because he's been vomiting. Um, all the time. So the nurse gets a hold of him. And this is where the nurse gets a hold of him and takes him to the nurse's station and keeps him for two hours, feeds him, makes sure it goes down. So then she begins to be, to come back and she says, you know, okay, they don't think, I don't think you're holding him right. You need to hold him up a little bit. You need to do this and you need, you know, and, and do this and then keep him up a little bit. So he's not throwing up and he's not doing that. So, you know, he had this other, he had this surgery at, I believe like the Southern rural clinic where he can't throw up so apparently decatur general doesn't know he's ever had that he can't throw up she's taking him in that he's vomiting and doing all this he can't vomit she's taking care of that she's <laughs> made she's had them do a procedure so that he can't vomit so the nurse had I can't believe they don't have any of this information she's not telling them what she doesn't want them to know. And I can't believe that they're not getting it from other places because this is, again, this is all right in this small town. Basically it's not a huge area. So at this point she has already gotten him where she is. Um, 
Okay, let's go back to the throwing up part of it. So this this nurse keeps him for two hours. He's kept his food down and everything. They've admitted him that day to see what's going on. Then it's not long. She cut the uh, she calls the nurses station and says, "Oh, he's been throwing up. He's throwing up everywhere. It's all." The nurse comes in. The this poor baby is laying in the middle of a bed that's been doused with water to make it look like he's been throwing up. <laughs> yeah, because a nurse isn't going to know that. Yeah, and so the nurse knows, and she's like, "Um, he's not been throwing up. This is water all over it," and she just. She didn't say anything, you know, it's just, oh, uh, 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 uh. So, yeah. She's done all of this. It's just, it's a horrible thing. So, they continue on and on and, um, let's see. They had, and, and then in June, she has to, they fight him back to Birmingham again due to uh, bleeding from his eyes, his nose, and his ears. Yeah. I don't know how... Like this for real actually happened? This is for real. And they actually do... Uh, they actually have to have surgery on him again for something to do with this. I don't know what kind of surgery it was or anything. but So I don't know what it is that she's been doing to him to get him with all of this. It, it's horrible. So... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then in August, I mean, he's still not even, if this is August, he's not even close to a year old yet. She goes to Clearwater to see her aunt. Her uncle is, has been diagnosed with cancer and she goes there to see her grandmother and she stays with them for a little bit. Uh, and well, she goes there and lets them see him, but it's not long after that, that he's got, uh, she's been taking him around uh, to different places and she goes back to um, Decatur general and um, she's telling them that she wants to have a gastro, uh, a G tube put in his stomach so that they could just bypass this because he's throwing up all the time. He won't take his bottles. He won't, she can't get him to eat and she can't get him to nurse. She can't get him to do anything. And um, they say, no, he's fine. He doesn't need it. You just need to learn how to, you know, he needs to take it slower. He needs to do this. He's doing fine. So this is where she starts to hop around too until she takes him back to that children's hospital and she takes him all the way to Birmingham and finally gets somebody that will say, oh, okay, well, let's do it and let's put this tube in his stomach. <sighs> so they did. Oh. So in September he had a uh, he had the feeding tube inserted, and this is where it's all gonna. And how old was he? This was September, so he's around nine months old. Oh, yeah. Oh, so goodness. then she starts tweeting about you know he's got a bad ear infection again. So now it's back to ear infections and everything because the whole. Um, he's got the G tube now, so she just feeds him through the G tube and does that. Um, it ends up being in November when he's back in the hospital, and that's the twenty third time that he's been in the hospital. On the eleventh, and on the thirteenth, he gets discharged. So it jumps from wow. yeah, it jumps from November into. February before he goes back where they've sent him to a doctor in Vanderbilt. So she has to drive all the way to Nashville to see him. When she gets there, this doctor looks at him and he's like, he's completely fine. I don't know why you're even here. You know, there's nothing wrong with him. So it's about three weeks later. She has him back and then he's got two perforations in his ear. He's got his blood. He's got blood and pus and everything coming out of his ears. She's not going to let it go that there's nothing wrong with him. Oh yeah. No, it's got, there's something wrong. Yeah. So she's going to prove it. Yeah. So this doctor is looking at it. And so he puts him in, um, the doctor says he's not going to put tubes in his ears. He's just going to let it, work its way out. He's going to give him some antibiotics and go on this because he's just seen him three weeks prior and he's not, he was, he was well. Well, that's not what she posts on Facebook. 
she posts on Facebook that he's back in the PICU and uh, in, in critical care. When in reality, Garnet's not even in the hospital at this time. So she's putting this and she's putting all this stuff on Facebook. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I would never dream of doing that about, you know, my kid in f- fear that something would happen. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to take that chance. What's well, around July, she goes back to Clearwater uh, to tell, to help her grandmother to care for her uncle Bo. And uh, in November he dies and they, and she decides to move down to Clearwater to stay permanent, to stay with her grandmother. And he, um, and they're going to live there for a while. And then, and it's just another place things, because at this point you can see all of this that's going up and all of this thing that's progressing. We found out later that, they're starting to catch on to her. So she's got to go before somebody's going to take him or do so, or finally do something to remove him yeah. away from her. So she moves up and moves to Florida. And so they just cancel that. They don't send these notes down to Florida or try and find out where she's going. They just, it's not Alabama's problem anymore. Now yeah. it's Florida's. That's so sad. Yeah. So she goes down there and he, uh, at this time he's, uh, he's almost two when he's down there, he turns two and they have a little party and all of her friends and all of her grandmother's friends come and things like that. Of course, she doesn't know anybody down there at that point, but all of them remember him eating several pieces of cake and eating good all day long. But she writes on Facebook the whole time that he's not eating. She has to feed him through the G tube. She can't get him to take even a bite of food and blah, 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 blah. And so he's not eating just strictly through the G tube. No, he's starting to eat actual food now. He's been eating. He, he eats, he had been eating food. There was a nurse in, in Alabama that said that she would, uh, she'd watch him every once in a while and she'd take him to her mother, her mother's house and she, he would eat everything they gave him. So he's never had a problem eating. She's just always said he's had a problem eating. She's the only one that has. The yeah. Problem. I knew she, I knew she said he had a problem and that they just put it in for her, but I didn't know he could still eat with it in. Yes. He can still eat with it in. Okay. Yeah. Well, when she gets down there, she starts joining um, like classes down there to make friends. And so she joins all these mother's classes and things. And she joins this one where there it's a, it's um, basically it's a breastfeeding mother's class. Now he's already over two and she starts to, uh, she tells everybody that she's been breastfeeding him since the beginning. But one of the ladies that is, is um interviewed from this thing is like it was the weirdest thing because everybody would be sitting around nursing their babies and they were all old you know two and some of them were three years old and stuff like that but she was the only one that wasn't she never breastfed but she continually talked about how often she pumped every day and breastfed him and kept him going and that she you know and then she makes a big thing about oh she donated so much breast milk too, because she just is a, apparently she's a Jersey cow and just produces a cow. Exactly. (laughs) Just say moo, Betsy. So when she gets down there, she finally finds another place. She starts uh, with this other doctor, gastrointestinal doctor, who also is doctor of Chinese herbs. And so now she's going to change and she's not going to be into doctors. Now she's into holistic medicine. She's into all the herbs and all that talks about putting the herbs and, and she talks, uh, puts multiple times on the Facebook about how, uh, he's got so many herbs that we're doing now and he's so much better. This is the best that, uh, that Garnet's ever been and things are going so well for us and all that. And I don't know if we're going to have to just cut this one off and do a second one or what with this one because this is just yeah. getting two and i was afraid of this with this because it's so long and so detailed there's so much going on with it 
So let yeah, it's looking like we're going to have to do a part two. Yeah. So let me get just a little ways into here. I'll tell you what she's got on here posted and we'll, and I'll try and wrap this up a little bit and we'll do the second half of it for the next one. Sounds good. Okay. Well, so then she decides as she's in this holistic medicine that she's going to be vegan and he's going to be vegan. And so everything that she's putting into it, into his G tube at this point is going to be vegan. And that she uh, tells everybody that, you know, she puts all the good foods into it and puts them directly into it. And she's organic. All she's going to do is organic and it's going to be all of this stuff. And uh, then she, uh, she posts on one of the Facebook things that she posts that she's a hippie, that she's a co-sleeping, baby-wearing, rear-facing, all-natural, attached parenting mama and loving it. Okay. She's going to get... So what about that, you know, that thing you put in his stomach? <laughs> yeah. That's not natural. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh... It's not long after that, that posting there that he has another big infection. And when she takes him in uh, to this pediatric, he's a, this pediatric chiropractic physician. And um, they test him again. He's got, he treat him again for all these multiple ear infections and everything. And um, he keeps asking Lacey for Garnet's medical records. Because now he's been down here for a while and he's been going again to all these different doctors and all this different stuff, but they don't have his medical records from Alabama. She keeps saying, Oh, I'll get those for you. I'll well, get of course those for you. Yeah. So she doesn't want it known what's all she's been doing to this poor baby. Exactly. She does. They've already been alert. They're already alerting to the fact that she might have Munchausen. So she doesn't want anybody to have any of those records for it. So, um, this doctor then refers her to another doctor who puts tubes in both of his ears and he prescribes eardrops. Lacey refuses to use them. So. Go figure. Yeah. Why would you want to make him feel better? Exactly. And it's two weeks later at that point that she's got it on Facebook that she's looking for somebody that's going to remove the tubes from his ears. She doesn't want the tubes in his ears either. Now this poor child has got I mean, at one point, some of these nurses are saying they would have to put things down on the bed because the pus was so thick running out of his ears and things like that at all times. And now you're looking for somebody to take it out because you don't believe in Western medicine anymore. That is absolutely ridiculous. Isn't that insane? Oh, my goodness. This is a, this one's getting to me. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah. So... um. Let's just say that her decisions at this point, she's not been there too awful long, um, are, and her decision to turn her back on the Western medicine and all of that stuff, it's causing a lot of friction in her family. And her grandmother is, and, uh, is not very happy. She used to love to bake cookies for, uh, for Garrett and for, um, for Garnet, and she would bake cookies for him and, cook with him in the kitchen and now she wants him on no sugars, no nothing. And she's vegan. And so she can't have, you know, he can't have butter. She's strict with all of that. So there's starting to be some friction here now in Florida. So mm. at that point, we're going to go. Yeah. At this point, we're going to go ahead and leave it. He's still in Florida, but there's just starting to see, see some friction there. Whew. Well, oh, I can't wait to hear the rest of this now. All right. So this is the end of part one. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple. Well, we're not on Apple Podcasts yet. Podbean, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and Samsung Podcast. Uh, your comment. You can comment anything, just one word. It helps us create an algorithm that helps us get our names out there. Yeah. And also, I've noticed on some of them, you can go in and give us five stars, like on Spotify. 
but you don't uh, you don't have to do anything but just to give stars. That's all it requests for it. So if anybody can go in and do that, that'll help move us up on there as well. So if you would hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on next week's nightmare where I'm going to continue telling Alicia about the rest of this story. And we're going to find out the, the end of this story about Garnet Thompson, Garnet Paul Thompson Spears. Now we do have a, a Facebook and an Instagram. Both of those are at our at Mama's Nightmare Pod, and we'll be posting some uh, some pictures from each episode. Also, if you have any suggestions on any cases that you'd like us to cover, please email us at Mama's Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda, and we hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Good night. Bye.